Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is up, guys? My name is Jake Anzuski. You can call me Jake Iggy, or Iggy for short. And this is Iggy's Sports Talk. So, the day is finally here. Baseball is back. And it's crazy that I am even saying that. And I am so excited to have the privilege to be able to preview each division for you guys. And I'm going to be joined by Robbie Hyde. Now, Robbie is a YouTuber, and he posts a lot of very good analytical baseball videos. So go over right now into the search bar on YouTube, search Robbie Hyde, go over and subscribe to him. Also, don't forget, go down and subscribe to Iggy's Sports Talk. There's going to be a lot of very good analytical content coming out to give you a full preview of the MLB 2020 season. Also, don't forget to give me a big thumbs up. I'd really appreciate it. Now, let's go and listen to the AL East preview. I mean, when I think of 2019 with the Yankees, I think of a team, well, they had a record amount of injuries last year. Um, I mean, take away those injuries. I mean, they could have won the whole thing last year. Um, And when it came to playoff time, when they were right there in the ALCS, I mean, it looked very evident that they were a picture short. And they went and got that picture in the offseason, Garrett Cole, um, who – completely dominated them in that ALCS take Garrett Cole off that team put him on the Yankees last year I mean (laughs) you could have had a much different world series so um I mean top to bottom the Yankees look fantastic I mean offense pitching uh both starting and bullpen uh one of the best bullpens last year starting rotation now I mean now you have you know a guy like Tanaka who didn't have a great regular season last year, but really stepped it up in the postseason. He's your number two now uh, behind Garrett Cole, who in my opinion, you know, probably should have won the Cy Young last year, but that's just my opinion. Um, a guy like James Paxton in, in the three spot. Uh, a guy like J.A. Happ in the, in the fourth spot in the rotation. Uh, someone like Jordan Montgomery, um, you know, Domingo Herman, he's, he's not going to be there for this season because uh, of his suspension, but, you know, Jordan Montgomery, he, he can offer something. I mean, when you look at the bullpen, you know, Chapman, you know, well, he's out right now, but he'll be back eventually. Britton, Ocovino, like, you know, Chad Green. I mean, goodness, top to bottom. I mean, and then that's not even talking about the offense yet. I mean, and that's where they got hit a lot last year with injuries. You know, Judge, Stanton. I mean, goodness gracious, uh, Sanchez missed some time last year. Um, But that lineup top to bottom, it's, it's crazy. Like, it seemed like every one of those guys in that lineup hit at least 30 home runs last year. And then and then you think of a guy like DJ LeMahieu, um, who was one of the better players in all of baseball last year, probably had his best season overall with the Yankees, um, easily in one of the best offensive second basemen last year, but he can play in other spots as well. Um, just a crazy good team. It, it's, and really the only thing that held them back last year, in my opinion, was – one ace of a starting pitcher, and then all the injuries. Well, they just had a long layoff, um, and now they only have to worry about a 60-game season plus a postseason, and now they got that ace pitcher. I mean, (laughs) they're easily a favorite for the World Series this year, in my opinion. I agree, and ever since they signed Garrett Cole, that's what has been coming out of every Red Sox fan's mouth, even if you're a Red Sox fan as well. And I always like to say this disclaimer anytime I'm talking about the New York Yankees because – as people who are watching the video version of this podcast, 
we both have Red Sox jerseys on. And it's something where I, anytime I'm talking about any baseball team, especially the Yankees, I always try to take that bias or that fan bias that I have towards Boston teams and sort of look at it as an MLB fan. And when you really think about the Yankees, as you said, this team is scary. And it seems like for the last five years, mostly New York fans have just been killing Brian Cashman, get a pitcher, get a pitcher. Where's the pitching? Where's the pitching? And you just see it year in and year out. They're looking for pitching in the trade deadline, free agency. And if <laughs> Cashman didn't get a pitcher this next year, I, I think that Yankees fans would have been asking for him to get fired, even though – as we've talked about before, he is one of the best general managers and smartest general managers in the major leagues. And you really talked about it with the pitching. Guys like J.A. Happ is going to be looking to bounce back. And especially with a guy like Paxton, who's coming off of an injury, he pitched pretty well last year with a 3.82 ERA. And when you really just look at their pitching as well, they were 14th in the league with a 4.31 ERA. And they're probably going to get higher into the top 10, especially with Garrett Cole's help. And it really seems like the Yankees can never catch a break with injuries because looking into the season, you looked at that rotation and it was scary. And then obviously right when you were starting to get excited about this team, Luis Severino goes down with Tommy John. And you brought it up perfectly with the offense as well. They're waiting for Judge to come back, and he's probably going to return close to the season. But when you just look at the infield as well, when they lost Miguel Andujar, everybody was like, oh, no, what is going to happen? And then when you look at a guy like Gio Ursella, he just came out and broke out. And they were able to rank fourth with a 267 average. So I can really see the Yankees, like you said, potentially getting close to winning 40 games and when it's a 60-game season, that is a really, really good record. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And then, and then you're, I mean, it's crazy. I didn't even bring up earlier, Gleyber uh, Torres as well. Had 38 home runs last year. It's like, goodness gracious. It's everywhere in this lineup, there's a problem. And even Brett Gardner, solid left fielder. He's getting up there in age, but he's still going to give you good defense out there. Um, but he had 28 home runs last year. Had a good OPS last year. I mean – it's just top to bottom a great team. And it's crazy for me as a Red Sox fan to say, like, I almost kind of felt bad for them because it was like, wow, this team, this team could potentially be one of the better teams in recent memory that we've seen. And then you see all these injuries happening with them. And it's like, goodness, like they just could not catch one break last year. They had a record amount of injuries last year. That was a record for a season for guys to go on the injury list. So um, just, Yeah. Pretty pretty tough pretty tough year for them last year and, and to see and to see it end the way it did you know for them but I mean look how far they got like without you know with all those injuries with the lack of starting pitching um, I mean they're definitely a team to watch absolutely I mean, you probably could have seen them you probably could have seen them win around like 108 to 110 games if they had all those guys out there yeah yeah it, it, crazy crazy and then um, and but one good thing you know about that team last year that held together really well was was the bullpen um uh, uh i believe they ranked second in uh wins above replacement among relievers uh just solid bullpen they'll have chapman back like i said i mean that bullpen's still going to be very very tough um yeah so definitely i mean they're my pick to win the al east for this year easily 
Yeah, you know, it's going to be really interesting, especially with the competition that they have with uh, the, the second team that we're going to be going over in the Tampa Bay Rays. But I just wanted to touch on something real quick, something that I'm going to be bringing up throughout all these different division breakdowns is Pakoda came out with predictions of the records for the 60-game season. And for the Yankees, they said that they're going to win 36.5 games and lose 23.5 and have a 73% chance of winning the division. But as we've talked about, this team, if everything goes right, you're going to see them in the World Series. And another team which could surprise a lot of people, and in my opinion, is the smartest team in baseball. Because when you have the lowest payroll in the MLB, you have a top three farm system in the MLB, and, you've, and you're able to win 96 games over the last two seasons, you're doing something right. And that's in, that's in the Tampa Bay Rays. And their pitching was the second best in the MLB last year with a 365 overall ERA. And when you see guys like Blake Snell, Tyler Glasnow, and also Charlie Morton, and then when you also think about the guys that they have in the back end of the rotation, and then you even think about as well the opener approach that they have, it's really a mystery of what you're going to see with this team in terms of pitching day in and day out. So how do you feel, Robbie, about the Tampa Bay Rays? Well, so, okay. So with the Rays, to be honest with you, it feels like over recent years, I've started to find the Rays more aggravating than the Yankees, to be all in all honesty. That team is always giving everyone trouble. Um, what, you know, I understand the excitement over the Rays. I do. I mean, you got, you got that three-headed monster of a pitching staff, you know, like you said, Glasnow, Snell, Morton. Uh, that's as good as it comes. Um, I with the Rays, I am proceeding with caution slightly. And that's just me personally, where I can understand where everyone's coming from with it. But they did have a couple of key departures, this, uh, a few key departures this past offseason that maybe numbers-wise doesn't look incredibly bad on paper, but it's, it's kind of what they brought to the team where I really – I thought I thought these the, the players that did leave this past offseason kind of hurt them a little bit. Um, Tommy Pham, love Tommy Pham, love absolutely love that guy. Um, he's a three win player, but he's like an energy kind of a player. He's a catalyst kind of a player at the top of a lineup. He's a glue kind of player. When when he got traded, Blake Snell he was not happy about it because that was a that was like a heart and soul kind of a guy of a team. Travis De Arnold. Um, going to the Braves. He was their catcher last year, played very well. Um, he brought consistency at the catcher position. Uh, Emilio Pagan going uh, to the Padres for, uh, for Margo. I mean, he was, he had the most saves for them last year. He was a key piece in that bullpen last year. Of course they did go with an opener approach last or uh, uh, sorry, a closer by committee approach. Um, along with using openers out of that bullpen. So it wasn't really like a solidified closer, but he was kind of that guy. Um, you know, I, I just worry about those pieces, you know, for uh, fam, they did bring in Renfro who he'll give you, he'll give you, you know, 25, 30 home runs, but the guy has a below 300 on base percentage. And when you're taking a guy like fam out of a lineup that was middle of the road in the major leagues last year, you know, as it was, but when you take Fam out of that lineup, who, in my opinion, is like a catalyst kind of a guy, and you're bringing in a guy, and, and also Fam, he had around a 370 on base percentage. Take him out, and now you're putting in a guy that has a 2, 
285 on base percentage. I mean, I worry about that a little bit, you know, because you're taking a big piece of that lineup out. And yeah, you're putting in a guy that can hit for some power. Um, and they also, and they also got Margo as well, who is, he's going to give you some good defense. I just wonder how that offense is. They still have some good pieces, but I wonder how it's going to click like as a whole um, pitching wise. Yes. I, I love the pitching. That's going to be, if, if they make it far, it's, it's going to be because of the pitching. Morin's, but Morin's coming off career high in innings. Yes. They've had the long layoff, but still career high in innings. You don't, I mean, he's never pitched that many innings in his whole career. How's he going to do Blake Snell had a very up and down year last year, dealt with some injuries. Um, he did not look anything like his Cy Young self from 2018. How's he going to do? Um, Glasnow was fantastic last year, only made 12 starts. To me, there's just a lot of question marks with this team. I, I think they're going to come in second, but I think they are getting a lot of hype. And, and I understand the hype, but I'm personally proceeding with caution on them a little bit because, and if you want to kind of bring in some radio talk here, um, you know, they're getting looked at now. Like, you know, there's a lot of expectations for this team now. They're young guys. How are they going to respond to that? I mean, very true. I mean, again, that's just more radio bar kind of talk, but I mean, how are they going to respond to that? Especially in a short season when there's not really much time to, you know, build momentum. Um, you know, that is a team. I think there's a ton of talent on that team, and I think they have potential to make a deep playoff run. But I also think there's a potential for that team to maybe disappoint a little bit as well. But I would expect them more to be, you know, more, one of the better teams this year. I completely agree, and it's, and it's something where I remember the general manager got a lot of flake. Like you said, Blake Snell really did not, not like that Tony Fom. Uh, trade over to San Diego and it's something where I, I looked at his contract and it, the Rays always have get very nervous when their payroll gets a little bit high and they always like to keep it down and, and it's something where they're always looking to trade guys when they're a year or two away from free agency just to try and get that value off and it's always been interesting to watch that team because every time they trade one of those big guys Everybody, especially like guys like when they traded away David Price, when they traded away James Shields back then, everybody was like, oh, no, what's going to happen? The team's going to go down. But they're always able to find somebody to recuperate and be able to, you know, overload that talent. And it's something where with Renfro, it made me really nervous, kind of like you said, with the average. But it's good because he is still around 25. He's still, he's still pretty young. And when you look at this roster, you just look at every single guy. You're like, that guy's 24, 25, 26. Nobody's really over 30 other than Charlie Morton, who's 36. And I, I did really like to Tommy Fong being in there to be able to give that veteran presence as well. But when you really look at some of the guys that they already have in that outfield, you talked about Marco, you talked about Renfro. Then when you look at a guy like Austin Meadows, who in April was the player of the year, I'm sorry, player of the month. And then when you look at the guy that they got from, I think it's either Korea or Japan. I can't remember, I'm remember, but it's, Two weeks ago, this this kid hit like 36 home runs in the league, and it's yeah. it's going to be really interesting. Obviously, how he recuperates with, or gets used to MLB pitching, but yeah. 
you look at also guys like Yandy Diaz and Brendan Lowe, they have some stacked guys who it's going to be really interesting how they develop and they're still pretty young. And especially with the 60 game season, I think it's, it's, you're not going to really be able to see what they're fully able to do. If you gave them 162, some of these guys would be able to get out of those slumps that they potentially have in the first half of the season and really be able to break out. When you look at what Coda said for this team, they're supposed to win 32 games and lose 27, and they have an 18% chance of the playoffs. But the one advantage that I think the Rays have over everybody, and this is what I'm going to touch on a little bit with the Red Sox as well, because now that they have Heim Bloom, who started the opener's approach with the Tampa Bay Rays, opener's approach is very underrated, I think, in a lot of MLB fans' minds. And it's something that's going to become very popular because when you have a guy that comes in every two innings, the batters aren't able to – you know, get the scouting report. They're not really able to think about what this guy is going to be throwing. So I think that they're going to be one of the best teams in the league. And it's going to be interesting how those young guys really develop, like you said, but it's going to be interesting in the AL East. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we touched up on the Rays as much as we could right there. I mean, there's, I agree with you. there's a lot of pieces. I mean, they, what they're all, I mean, one thing that, you know, is underrated is their player development is their scouting, um, the coaching staff. They're able to get a lot out of these guys. Um, you know, like I said, I, I just, you know, there are a few question marks with me. I'm more optimistic about those question marks than I am pessimistic. Um, you know, I just know for me personally, like when I hear a lot of people are high on a team and, and it seems like every time I buy into that team as well, they just go like just, ugh, and then they just disappoint me. But I think the Rays, they're, yeah, they're very talented. You know, they're, they're, there's a ton of good pieces. They could absolutely make a run. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not denying that. But I'm also saying, you know, kind of pump the brakes a little bit, you know, because, you know, they did have some key departures. And I wonder how they're going to, you know, do this year without those guys. So, you know, but I'm expecting a lot out of them. Yeah, you know, it'll be really interesting, especially with another team that, like the Red Sox, I mean, like I said, they're another team that are going to be using the opener approach, and especially with the lack of pitching depth that they do have. Uh, that's the one thing that everybody is really nervous about. Anytime you talk about the Red Sox, you're like, well, they don't have Chris Sale, and you, we don't know when Eduardo Rodriguez is going to be coming back. He's still waiting to get that negative test of COVID. But when you look at this team's record last year, 84 and 78 after coming off of a 108 World Series winning season. And it was so disappointing. And especially when you look at the pitching, the pitching was the Achilles heel for the Red Sox last season, ranked 19th with a 470 ERA. And it'll be really interesting to see how guys like Colin McHugh come off, coming off of his injury will perform. Guys like Ryan Weber, who's going to be coming into the rotation and did pretty well last season. But like I said, they're going to be using a lot of openers. But a guy to really watch is Nathan Avaldi. Now, everybody has been on this guy's butt ever since he signed a $17 million a year contract with the Red Sox last season. It's so funny how it can just flip on a guy. One year, everybody is praising this guy after his amazing performance in the World Series, and they're like, this guy deserves $20 million. And even the Houston Astros, the Red Sox and the Houston Astros, were fighting back and forth to grab him in free agency. But he's a guy, when you look at his spring training, 12 strikeouts, no hits allowed, no runs allowed, and 
from what I've seen in the inter squad games, nobody is able to hit Nathan Vaudi. Yeah. yeah um, he is definitely, and I, I've read this in other places too, but to me, he's the, he's the key guy, you know, for, uh, for the Red Sox this year, along with, you know, someone like an Eduardo Rodriguez when he comes back eventually, they have no pitching. I mean, it's, they got, they got nothing. They're playing with, you know, pieces of string here. Like it's, it, there's really not much there. It's, you know, when you lose guys like a Chris Sale, David Price, um, and, and Rick Porcello was pretty bad last year, but the guy gave you innings. And so, you know, that was, you know, pretty respectable in that part. Um, so it definitely the starting rotation, if the Red Sox want to do anything this year, it, their starting rotation is going to be the, the make or break on this team. I do like um, some guys that could maybe fill in here. I am a little more on the optimistic side with Brian Weber. Um, he's been kind of a bounce around kind of a guy, uh, like a minor league kind of a guy, but he's a guy where he throws a lot of strikes. He works quickly. Uh, his ERA was a little high last year, but his, but his uh, FIP was lower than his ERA. So that suggests he pitched better than what his ERA actually showed. Um, Rannick, he really likes him. He, he, he's come out and said, like, I, I love how he just throws a lot of strikes. He just attacks the zone. Um, you know, and he gets a lot of ground balls. He's not going to overpower anyone, but I think that's a guy where if he comes in, gives you an ERA somewhere, you know, maybe four, 4.3, you know, I think that is really what this team could, could need, you know, just some guy that can give you some innings that can maybe get you through five or six innings to start, you know, something like that. I think Ryan Weber has the potential and, you know, again, I'm going to pump the brakes a little bit. If it is Ryan Weber, he hasn't really proven much in his career. And I understand mm-hmm. that, but if I were right. to pick a guy that could maybe, you know, really surprise some people, you know, maybe he could end up having a good year. This is a kind of a year where it could really make him look good. Um, I'm, I'm worried about Martin Perez. <laughs> I mean, the numbers, you know, it's like when you try to look for some positive things from last year, he had an ERA like in the low fives. Um, yeah, but there's not really much positive. Uh, he got hit around a little bit, especially in the second half. Um, he did increase his strikeouts per nine. But still, it's still not very high. Like the previous year, I think it was around five strikeouts per nine. And then the last year, it bumped up to around seven per nine. Um, still not great. Um, yeah, I gave him a lot of hits. Uh, he kind of got away from his cutter a little bit in the second half last year. I'm not really sure what was going on there. If I were to be optimistic about Martin Perez, um, I would say, you know, Dave Bush, the, he's the official pitching coach now for the Red Sox, big on anal- analytics. I think Mark, Martin Perez, I think he's a guy that can give you some innings. I think he's still trying to, like, unlock something a little bit. And I think he's, he's still trying to figure something out, whether it's, you know, pitch selection in certain counts, um, command at times. That's definitely been a thing for him. But I think if one guy can help him, it's Dave Bush. Um, yeah. But then you got someone like a Brian Johnson – as well. Uh, I mean, he's had some good moments. A couple years ago, he was pretty solid ERA in the low fours. Uh, pitched around 108, uh, yeah, 100 innings in 2018. It wasn't very good last year. Had some injuries. Um, yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of guys that could maybe do something on this team, but then there's also the potential for it to be a complete dumpster fire. Um, 
And another guy you mentioned, Colin McHugh, that's an X factor kind of a guy. Um, when's he going to be good to go? You know, it's, that's who knows. I mean, there's just so many what ifs with the starting pitching. I completely agree. And I, I think the offense is going to carry this entire team. And in, it, it's so funny. Nobody thinks that the Red Sox offense is going to do anything without Mookie. Oh, no, now that the Red Sox lost Mookie, the season's over. Well, remember J.D. Martinez, Xander Bogarts, J, um, also Jackie Bradley Jr., who's been hitting the ball really well so far in, the, in this summer camp. And then when you also look at a guy who could, in my opinion, really break out, Alex Verdugo. He's a guy, and you don't really think about the – you don't, a lot of times in analytics, they don't really bring in the whole factor of the motivation of the guy, the drive of the guy. And when you really think about it, he has so much pressure on him. Red Sox fans are looking for him to be a Mookie Betts kind of caliber guy because he's essentially replacing him. And when you think about it, this guy has been down in Fort Myers ever since the coronavirus started. And he's been working his butt off. I've seen on his Instagram. He's been in the cage. He's been hitting with... Um, Xander Bogarts as well. And Bogarts said, Verdugo is the real deal. And so I think that it's going to be really interesting, obviously, how the outfield really plays out because they also do have Kevin Pillar. But the one thing that I think that the Red Sox have over everybody in the AL East is their bench. And when you look at it, let's say that Mitch Moreland needs a break. Let's put Michael Chavez in there. If Jose Pariza needs a break, let's put Michael Chavez as second. And then Jose Pariza can play anywhere in the infield, anywhere in the outfield. And it's the same thing with Kevin Pillar. Let's say one of the outfielders need a break. Well, let's slot Pillar in there. There's so many different options for the Red Sox on the bench. And it, they're all productive guys. Because usually when you look at most teams' bench, you're like, oh, shoot. Well, I, I think that guy's not really going to be as good. But it's really productive. And I think that the Red Sox are going to be close to 500. I don't think – a lot of people are thinking that they're going to have a losing record, and that's sort of what Pakoda put them as. They put them at 30 and 30 with a 19.8% chance of making the playoffs. I really see this team surprising a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. With, with the offense, I mean, that is definitely, definitely the one thing that the Red Sox do have going for them. And that it's, – it's an offense to where – if the starting pitching can do enough, it's an offense that can also do it more than enough that can keep you in games. Um, absolutely. Bogart Stevers had a career years last year. Uh, Verdugo had a, a very solid year last year in around a hundred games, hit around like 290, uh, 10 home runs, uh, decent OPS, no Mookie bets, but a guy that can really fill in and, give you some some good production it's something where when you look at another team like the toronto blue jays who in my opinion are really going to surprise a lot of people and ever since they signed hinjin rue and then they got travis shaw and then when you see some of the guys that they have these young guys like boba shed kevin biggio vladimir guerrero jr it's something where a lot of people were very were criticizing this team at the start of this offseason and now when you really look at everybody previewing this next season, like, oh, Blue Jays are going to be the most surprising team in the league. I'm like, wow. Finally, people are opening their eyes to this Toronto Blue Jays team. And their team last year, that was 67 and 95. And when you look at how they were really able to just rejuvenate that rotation with, like I said, the signing of Rue, Tanner Roark, 
And then when you look at a guy like Chase Anderson as well, but Rue, wow, 232 ERA in 2019. And same with Anderson, had a breakout year. It'll be really interesting to see how this rotation will really be able to perform. And then when you look at the bullpen as well, it's mediocre. But I really think that this rotation and these young guys are really going to surprise a lot of people. Yeah, and uh, one underrated piece that I really liked that they added was uh, Tanner, uh, Tanner Roark. Um, he – if you look at the innings pitched from starting pitching last year for the Blue Jays, I think they had one guy who pitched more than 150 innings, um, if you don't count Stroman, who was traded. They only had one guy who pitched more than 150 innings. Uh, Tanner Roark is a guy that can give you some innings, uh, effective innings. Um, and then, you know, Ryu, absolutely, ace-level kind of a guy. Uh, hopefully he can keep the injuries at bay. That's something that has kind of dogged him in his career a little bit. Um, Chase Anderson as well. The only problem with Chase Anderson is he tends not to go very deep into games. Um, he'll make his starts, but it's just a matter of him, you know, getting past the fifth inning, you know, trying to get to the sixth inning. That, that's one thing he is that kind of struggled with a little bit last year, high pitch counts uh, very early on. Um, the potential is there. One guy, uh, Matt Shoemaker. Um, this guy was pitching incredible last year before another injury <laughs> an ACL tear like when do you ever see ACL tears besides Andrew McCutcheon um last year. I feel like you don't really ever hear about that in baseball I mean, right. football obviously but like uh yeah it's like that guy cannot catch a break um if I were to make a list of guys that benefited from the long layoff uh definitely Matt Shoemaker that he was pitching lights out in that first month um, that's a guy that could potentially, like, if he can just stay on the mound, it, like, that is a guy who could be a, a two in your rotation. Um, yeah, there's a lot of potential there uh, in that Blue Jays rotation. And then when you look at the offense as well, I mean, not a lot of people are really focusing on the move of Vlad Guerrero, or Vlad Guerrero Jr. To, from third base to first base. But I think that will really give him a chance to save his energy and focus more on hitting. And I think we're going to see Vlad Guerrero Jr. have a monster season. But especially when you look at a lot of these young guys, I keep on bringing up the point, if there was a 162-game season where these young guys were able to get – that slump out or, or really be able to work on stuff over the season, we'd be able to see this Blue Jays team really be able to flourish. And in my opinion, they could have been a team better than the Red Sox. When you have such a shortened season, when you look at the Pakoda prediction, they're supposed to win 28 games and lose 31. And they have a 9% chance of the playoffs. And that's just the one thing that I think the youth will really hurt them in some situations. But I think with such a small sample size, you're going to see these guys improve over time very well. And especially like a guy, Bo Bichette, who had a very, very fast start to his rookie, to his rookie season. And I think he is going to have a monster season. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Vlad Jr., I mean – uh, I don't know why he, why it took him so long to move to first. Um, I mean, I, I think he should have been a first baseman, you know, a couple few years ago. I mean, I don't yeah. know, really. I, I mean, you know, I, they were trying to, they were trying to help him there at third, but yeah, yeah I mean, definitely a better first baseman for sure. Um, you know, and if they can, you know, get a good guy that can uh, maybe platoon with him at first too, and he maybe he can DH uh, some days. I think that'd be good. His 
his thing is his bat. That's what you need is if he can do enough at first, Vlad's going to, you know, yeah, it's Vlad Jr. He's, yeah, he mashes. He's going to be the centerpiece of that offense. Bo Bichette, he's electric. Uh, Love Bo Bichette. Tons of swagger with that guy. Love it. Uh, hit, hit for average. Definitely can hit for some power. Uh, he's got some speed. Uh, very, very exciting player. Um, one guy I love, though, I love. And, and I, I don't know, maybe it's because I kind of like the, the, the smaller things with some of these prospects. But I, I love Kevin Biggio last year. Absolutely love Kevin Biggio. Not because he's Craig Biggio's son. But this guy, uh, rookie season, on base percentage uh, around like 360. Very good for a rookie. Very right. good. Uh, he can draw a walk. He gets on base. He's a mature player uh, for his age. Um, I thought he wasn't the rookie of the year voting, uh, but yeah, very underrated player there. He is someone I'm looking forward to watching this year, as well as Vlad and Bo Bichette. Um, they signed Travis Shaw. That could be. That could end up being lightning in a bottle. Maybe they see something that where they can fix him. He, he just hit 30 home runs a couple years ago for the Brewers, uh, the Mayor Ding Dong City. You know, I mean, there there is a lot of potential with with the Blue Jays. Uh, definitely, yeah. There's a lot of good pieces in that lineup. And then when you look at a team like the Baltimore Orioles, unfortunately, there isn't too too much stuff to talk about with this team just because they're just not there yet. They're a team that is just waiting on their farm system to develop a little bit more. And they didn't really catch a break either with their best player in Trey Mancini uh, being diagnosed with cancer. And he's not able to unfortunately play. And that was a very sad sort of report that came out. But when you look at a team that last year lost 108 games, they have a very thin rotation, but they have a guy in John Means who was able to pitch a 360 ERA last year. But when you really just look at the offense as well, there's not a lot of pieces to be excited about other than maybe a young guy like Austin Hayes who you could look to develop. And maybe they'll bring up Ryan Ma- um, Ryan Mountgale or Mountcastle. Mountcastle. Uh, Love and that then when you look at a guy like Anthony Santander who was actually able to break out last year, and he's a guy who I didn't know his name before this past season, and he was able to hit 261 with 20 home runs. So what are you looking at with the Baltimore Orioles? I mean, really, with the Orioles this year, I think it's kind of see what you got. You know, I think bring up Mountcastle, see what he can do. Uh, why not? I mean, this is – it's a throwaway year for the Orioles. Uh, it's, it, I do feel bad in the aspect that they couldn't have those 160 games to really, you know, plug in some younger guys. Um, maybe even Adley, Adley Rutschman could have maybe gotten some kind of exposure. Probably not. Um, that would have been more likely, if anything, a September call-up. Uh, but even then, it's still very early for him. Um, you know, I just feel more bad for the fact that, yes, they are in a team completely in rebuild mode, and they didn't have that full season to really just plug in some guys and just see what they could do. So, I mean, really, at this point, use the 60 games, see what Mount Castle can do, see if Meads can improve, uh, see, see what Hayes can do, you know, yeah. There's really not much for the Orioles, to be honest. Uh, yeah, that'll, that'll be the uh, the punching bag of the AL East for sure. So there you go, guys. That is the overview of the AL East. Who do you see is the most surprising and most disappointing team in this division? For me, 
The most surprising is the Toronto Blue Jays, and the most disappointing is the New York Yankees. Uh, I mean, not trying to, to be biased, but I think, I think the Red Sox have potential to be very surprising. Um, if that starting pitching can get any, can just get something going. Uh, I mean, the reason I say surprising is just because so many people have written them off. Um, yeah, the Blue Jays are very exciting. Of course, they have young talent. I personally still think they're a year, maybe two away. Um, but just because of the fact that people have written the Red Sox off, and of course, the starting pitching looks completely mediocre on paper, but uh, if that coaching staff can get something out of that starting pitching, um, I mean, who knows? I mean, because they have the offense. They have a, they have a very decent bullpen. Uh, there's a lot of good pieces in the bullpen. Um, they even have a guy like Bobby Dahlbeck who can come up and maybe do something. Uh, there, are, there are pieces on that team to where if they just do enough of the pitching, most likely, probably not, but they could do something. Maybe a second wild card. I mean, very possible. To be, I mean, to me, I think I kind of really gave it away earlier. I, I think the Rays have the most potential to be the, uh, to be the most disappointing. Just because they are – if you go on Twitter right now, um, I mean, Jared Carabas picking the Rays. Giraffe Nick Mark on YouTube picking the Rays. Well, actually, no, he picked the Mets, of course, to beat the Rays in the World Series. No surprise there. But, um, uh, I mean, everyone, everyone you're seeing, Rays, 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 Rays. And it's like, oh, boy, hey, this is a, you know, hey, pump the brakes a little bit, you know. Look at what they did this offseason. I mean, I would say, yeah, they did add some decent pieces, but they lost some really good pieces as well, like I mentioned earlier. Um, I definitely think they have a chance to be disappointing, uh, mainly just because they've been so hyped up. I, I think a lot of people are expecting them to win 40-plus games, uh, but I think – they're going to be more in line with what Pakoda said. It was really funny because I was looking at their schedule. I was kind of going through, you know, all right, two wins in this series, uh, sweep here, and I think they'll lose two out of three here. I, I came out to, like, I, I, it was 32 or 33. And then I looked at Pakoda. I was like, oh, okay. So, yeah, that looks right, right in line. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, if they finish with 33 wins, uh, I mean, that should be very close to a wild card. Uh, I think people might find, you know, find, if they get like a second wild card, I think people might find that disappointing. Um, but yeah, just because they've been so hyped up uh, lately, especially, um, I get, I get why, but I'm not going to be surprised if they, you know, somehow drop down to, you know, maybe 31, 31 wins, something like that. So that's what I would say. I'm probably going to be wrong, but that's, yeah, that's what I would say. Yeah, I think this division is going to be one of the most competitive and interesting to watch. So right there, guys, is the preview of the AL East. So that's a wrap for this division preview. I hope you guys really did enjoy this video and were able to learn a lot from all the analytical and informative information that Robbie and I gave you to get you ready for the MLB 2020 season. I hope you're getting as excited as I am for this season to start. Please don't forget... Go over and subscribe to Robbie Hyde. He posts some great MLB content and he's going to be helping you get ready for the MLB season as well and going to be posting a lot of videos throughout the 2020 season. 
Also, please go down and subscribe to Iggy's Sports Talk. I've been putting a lot of effort so I can get you guys as ready for the MLB season as possible. Also, give this video a big thumbs up. I would really appreciate it. So, that is it, like I said, for this division preview. Look for the next preview so you can get ready for this next MLB season. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.